<laughs> so I'm going to launch right into the, um, the talk tonight. And um, it's a very important subject because it's really about the purpose of life and what's more important than that. So, yeah, the bill says the secrets of a life of joy. Yeah, everybody would like to know that, I think. And um, so now I'm going to reveal them one by one. A life of joy. Um, now, there are some philosophies that say it's very difficult to get a life of joy because the world originates out of suffering and you're plunged in suffering and maybe you can escape it, but it's suffering. But the philosophy which um, I am associated with, which is Tantra, which is an ancient philosophy coming from India, it says something different. It, doesn't, it says that the world comes out of ananda, and people originate out of that joy, and they merge with that joy. So that's a very um, positive outlook. But the question is, on the way there, Sometimes we forget about it. We forget where we came from. We forget where we're going to. And we get all messed up in between. And life doesn't seem so joyous. So how can we correct that? So this is what um, I'd like to talk about tonight. How to correct it. One of the secrets, I'm getting ahead of the story because it's actually just a component of something bigger. But there's one very important secret which many people don't know about. So, so it comes under the heading of secrets in that, that sense. It's not common knowledge. See, the main thing is that we want to be happy. And we want to be happy with the stuff that we have. And that's what people are doing. They're pursuing, they need more stuff. Um, they, have, they have an iPhone 4, but they don't have an iPhone 4S. You know? And so that, they became unhappy. Six months ago, they were happy because they had the iPhone 4. But now they're not happy anymore. They're not on the cutting edge. So people um, are not happy with what they have. Uh, and this is a big problem. You could be a millionaire. If you're not happy with what you have, then you know better than, than uh, a beggar. And maybe sometimes the people who we say is a beggar, maybe they're more content than, than the millionaire. Because a beggar, you feel all oh, beggars they don't do anything. It's just a job. They have to show up on the corner. They do their work. They go home. And if they do their work and they're happy with what they get, how does that contrast with somebody who works on Wall Street and gets millions of dollars, but he comes home but he's not content, he's not happy with what he got. And, he's, and he takes out his computer, he's still working, he's working into the, um, into the hours of the night. That person's not happy. That person's not content. So contentment is the key. Contentment is the key. One time I was on a bus in Nepal, and it was really what we would call the bus ride from hell. It was a packed bus, ancient bus, terrible, and packed with people, and, and uh, not good, there's no air conditioning or anything like that, and there are children there, there are people with, carrying chickens and everything, and the bus is going on a perilous um, road, you know, just one bad misstep of the driver, mistake, you could be over into a gorge, but the people were happy. Everybody was happy. Even the kids were not even crying. You know, you couldn't you couldn't do that here. You know, the kids you would have to have all sorts of stuff for them, and you have to have um, maybe you have to get them um, an iPad or something to work on. And while these kids were not crying, these people from Nepal 
we're content. And so contentment is really one of the, the huge um, secrets of, of enjoying this life. It's called santosha in Sanskrit, but we call it contentment. How to get contentment. So what's the secret of contentment? So there is a secret of it. And that secret has to do with a certain type of restraint. So normally, people are trying to collect as much as they can from the world to take. You want to take. I want to get a bigger salary. I want to get a bigger house. I want to get a, a newer car. I want to get the latest thing. The thing from last year is not going to happen. I want the latest. You know. I, iPad was good, but I need the iPad 2. iPad 3. Oh, so iPad 3 now? Yeah. 2 or 3, yeah. Some people joke, they said that, because our, our monks are very well equipped, they said, yeah, all the monks now have iPad 6. No, we don't have it. But anyway, people are, um, want to have the latest 2, 3, 4. They want to, they will not satisfy with uh, what they have. And so what happens is there is a tendency of over-accumulation what is overaccumulation? It means that when you accumulate more than what you really need to um, sustain your life, that's overaccumulation. And so we have to learn restraint. Now, what is what we need? Of course, that's nobody knows that answer. That varies according to time, place, and person. <coughs> For example, a hundred years ago, to have an automobile was a luxury. Only very few people could afford it. There were not many produced, so very few people could afford it. It was a luxury. Today, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. You can't go to work without it. So according to changing the time, um, the items which are necessary change. The person may change. Um, for the father, the car is necessary. For the teenager, it's a luxury. It would be cool. He'll impress his friends, you know. Um, at, the, at, the, um, at the hamburger stand, you know. But it's, it's not necessary. For impressing, yeah, it's necessary, but not in real terms. Not so the, the, in one case, the time has changed. In another case, the person has changed. The place may change. In, in Los Angeles, a car may be necessary to survive because there's no pollution. In another place, it may not be necessary, sort of, according to time, place, and person. But in any case, we have to intelligently um, look at ourselves and take only what we need, and not to accumulate more. In, the, in Sanskrit, it's called aparigraha, it means not taking. So the person who maintains that kind of restraint will be able to get contentment. And the person who over-accumulates will never find contentment. So this is actually one of the secrets. If you want to be a content person, first you should learn how to um, limit your, um, your intake of, of, of things, especially things which are not necessary. So this is a hidden secret of, of happiness. Learn how to be content. Contentment means that you get the things that you need, and then you rest. The pe person who is a workaholic is not content. And that's why in the animal kingdom there are two examples, a good example and a bad example of contentment. The bad example is the honeybee. They go around from flower to flower, their, their beehive may be filled with honey, they're still going to work, and they don't live very long also. They, they're not a, they don't have longevity because of their whole working nature, and they just work themselves to death. They're called worker bees, you know, and they, they die. And a good example of contentment is our common man's best friend, the dog. 
And their dog is very simple. You, you just put some food there, pat him on the head, he wags his tail, he, he sleeps a lot. And it's just a very happy animal. So we should, we should, in that sense, we can imitate the dog and learn how to find contentment with very simple things. And that will make you, um, that's, half, that's half the job, actually, of enjoying your life when, when you can become content. So, so, so remember that. But contentment is linked to your capacity to rein in your, our, we have a tendency to accumulate, and, and then I'm going to explain also how to, what to do with that tendency that we have of accumulation and of searching for wealth. So this is the big secret of, of contentment. But then, in order, another thing that we need, we need a proper approach to life. A proper approach to life if we were going to really enjoy, if we're really going to uh, make our existence joyful from the beginning to the end. So what is that approach to life? That approach <coughs> to life is based on, on finding the true source of happiness. What is the true source of happiness? Because happiness is actually what all humans are trying to get, knowingly or unknowingly. We are trying to become happy. Nobody wants to be unhappy. And when people think there's no more chance for them to be happy, they, that's when they commit suicide. But even then, people don't want to. People want to live, but they also but they want to live happily. Now, the, we have a um, there's a human problem. Um, if you go and ask people um, in the society, are you content? Are you happy with what you have? And you know, a lot of people say no. I'm, I, I, you know, they have different problems they may they can bring up. So how to increase that? To increase it is to know the source. Normally, people are, are chasing. We call it the rat race, you know, in our society. People are chasing things um, because they're chasing wealth, physical wealth. And like I was saying before, you know, the physical wealth goes out of date. Um, uh, it becomes not enough. Not enough because of our mind. Our mind is the problem, what makes it not enough. Our mind is really our uh, seemingly an enemy. So what is the nature of our human mind? We want happiness, but the physical objects always have some kind of limitation. One cup of cake tastes good. The second cupcake, you get tired of it. You know, I have an economist in the audience, and he will tell you it's because the marginal utility has declined, but the yogi gives another answer. The yogi says this. The yogi says, the reason why people don't get happiness from the physical objects is because they're searching for happiness that doesn't end. And, and physical objects, no matter how big they are, they're finite. They have a, a limit. You know, like Scrooge McDuck had this, you know, in the comic strip, he had all these piles of gold. But that piles of gold has an end. It's, it's a finite thing. But the, the human desire is infinite. And that's why people get tired of whatever they have. So, so that approach uh, leads to a lot of unhappiness. So that's why the yogis said, oh, don't do that, don't do that. They didn't say not have anything, but just take what you need, like the first principle which I mentioned, and then folk try to fulfill this thirst for unlimited happiness with some object that can do the job. We want to 
do the job with the proper object. So they say, don't go outside, go within. Seek within. Within. The wealth that you that you were trying to find in the world is actually within you. And then when you can go within you, you're going to find a peace. You're going to find a wealth that doesn't have any limit. This is, this is another secret of, of joyous life. So most people who uh, realize that their um, search for wealth in the outside world is, is not going to really give them the satisfaction that they were craving, those people are uh, on the path of bliss, the path of bliss and to bliss, of joy. So this is a very important thing. And now what is this thing that's inside? I will also say that. It's something which has to do with our innermost self. So how, how can we know this? This is not a metaphysical course. This is a practical thing. So everyone here will say, we can say, all of us, I can say, you can say it. We say, I exist. I exist. I think everybody can do that. I exist. This is the mind. I exist. But we can make one more statement, which is a little bit mysterious. But, but not mysterious in the sense that we never thought of it, but we say, I know I exist. I know I exist. Now, there's another, I exist is the mind. But now, what is this I know I exist? It's something beyond the mind. If I exist with the mind, then to know that I exist, there has to be another level of I feeling, of I-ness. And it's, it's beyond the mind just beyond the mind and it's the witness of the mind and this is the the I which is filled with happiness, it's filled with uh, unlimited happiness it's called the soul in religious parlance in um, psycho-spiritual parlance we call it the consciousness the witnessing consciousness in India they call it Atman it's the witnessing consciousness and this is the true self it's the you that's beyond the, um, the, the reach of insult and, and, um, and praise and blame and doesn't go up and doesn't go down. The, the I of I exist, that goes up and down. Someone says, you're stupid, you go down. Someone says, you're great, and you go up and you go up and down. It's a roller coaster ride. The human psyche is like a roller coaster in this world. But that's why the, some other sages said, we have to go beyond, we have to detach ourselves from this roller coaster and go where the real I is and then you will get peace, and, and your life becomes joyous when, you, when you're sitting in that, that, that seat of, of consciousness, life becomes a joy. Uh, you know, in, in deep philosophical or cosmological parlance, we say that this whole universe is just a cosmic play. It's the play of the cosmic consciousness. The cosmic consciousness has, has evolved this whole world, and it's just playing. And we should be the joyful player in this world. But you can only do that when you can detach yourself from this small I of I exist and go to the big I of I know I exist. So this is the secret of being um, uh, a player. Life is just a, a game. It's a cosmic game. And we should enjoy our role. We all have roles in it. It's just like um, if you were in a theater piece, and there may be somebody who has a king, and maybe somebody who has a happy role, someone has a sad role. But as an actor, you know that, that that's not your real thing. At the end of the day, 
you're going to go home and, and forget about that and you're going to reach your real state so you don't get too perturbed. You can act like you're sad, you can act like you're happy, but you know that there's another uh, place for you. So we should enjoy our, um, ourself in this cosmic drama, this lila, they call it, this lila of the, of the supreme consciousness. We should enjoy it. So this is another... So this whole kind of metaphysical, but not metaphysical, but practical approach of going towards our real inner self. This is another way of, of remaining happy and content in this world. Now there's another um, secret uh, of, of a contented life, a happy life, and that is to maintain harmony. That's also what we want. We want harmony. Um, if you don't have harmony, you're not going to... You may have a lot of stuff, but then if you're fighting all the time, what kind of life is that? Yeah, yeah, you live in the richest neighborhood, but you're fighting with your wife, you're fighting with your kids, you're fighting with the people at work, uh, you're fighting with the government, you're fighting with anybody you know, that comes within your contact. That's, what kind of life is that? In this country, you know, we, we're in the courts, and we're in the battles, and nobody, everybody's fighting, fighting, fighting. That's not a life. So how to, to get out of that? How to, how to get harmony? with our surroundings and how to get harmony with ourself. So in the field of yoga, this is actually, we call it the foundation of yoga, are, are the principles that will bring us into harmony. So the first principle is not to hurt others, not to inflict pain on others um, consciously. You're allowed to defend yourself, no doubt, but, but not to, to inflict pain for no reason should never do that. Uh, and we should think about all people, we should think also extended to living beings. Why cause pain to other living beings? It's not um, trouble in you. It's, you know, some, some poor animal in the forest you know, didn't bother you, but you went in there with your guns and bows and arrows. And so not such a great thing for maintaining harmony. Then the second thing that the yogi said, if you want to maintain harmony, with your surroundings, is that you should speak things which bring about the welfare. You should speak and think for the welfare of others. Um, you should speak truth, of course, but if the truth is going to hurt someone, don't do exact truth, but generally we should speak the truth. And whatever inside and outside should be the same. You know, sometimes people think something inside. Oh, I hate that guy. But they put a smile outside. The bosses come in inside and say, oh, I wish this guy would you know, fall into a sinkhole. <laughs> and outside they say, oh, how are you? you know, this is a dangerous um, kind of thing when we have this divide of the inner and outer. So we should get the inner and outer together. And the best way is with, with, by feeling um, the welfare, thinking for the welfare of others, and thinking, uh, thinking for it, speaking it, and doing. This is a wonderful practice, and this will bring you into harmony with others and will give you strength of mind and the strength of mind is necessary because I'm telling you many things you have to do this and that to do that you need a strength of mind to set yourself yeah I'm going to do this thing so but this practice of maintaining uh, the straightforwardness um, this truthfulness and straightforwardness is one of the most important mental practices and if you keep doing it your mental strength will increase and you'll be able to fulfill every um Every instruction that someone gives you, that, especially instruction that will help you. 
And the third thing that the yogis say, if you want to maintain harmony with the society, is you should refrain from stealing. Don't take something which doesn't belong to you. Don't even think about doing it. Sometimes people go into a place and say, yeah, I would take it, but the guards are there, I won't take it. But even that thought is, is not good. We shouldn't take it directly. We shouldn't um, take it indirectly by sneaking into the movie theater. That's, you didn't take anything, but you, sh- you were supposed to pay. You didn't pay. That's not good. It's not good for the mind. You know that. When you do these things, it's not, you don't, how do you feel about it? You don't feel so good. You don't feel like you're in harmony. The idea is that we should do actions which we'll feel good about. We don't, we don't have to, we're not going to lose sleep. We say, we, yeah, we lost sleep over that. You know, if someone did something bad, we, yeah, I lost sleep. We shouldn't lose any sleep. You just sleep like a baby. But you can sleep like a baby only when you're fair with your environment. If you want to sleep nicely, then you have to um, live in the world in a way that will um, not cause ripples of guilt and doubt in your mind. Very important. And then another thing that the yogis say is that your outlook, how you treat, we want to get in harmony with others, but if we treat others as our objects, our ends, you know, for our satisfaction, then what kind of treatment are we, are we giving? What kind of relationship are we making with the world? And that's why we should, um, we should treat others as if, as, not if, they are, as expressions of the divine, their spiritual expressions. And when you start to treat all people and all things like that, then life also becomes um, wonderful and joyful. And joyful for you and all the people who you interact with. It's, it becomes a joy. Imagine if, if you meet somebody and they're treating you as, as an ex- God has come. They're treating you like God itself. They give you such respect and such you know, sanctity. How do you feel? What kind of, how do you feel when someone gives you respect? You feel great. So if we do that, the people who we come in contact with, they will feel joyful. And, and because of that, the way they treat you, then you will start to feel wonderful. And then the fifth principle of maintaining the harmony with the society, I gave it away in the beginning because it was so important to the, the subject why we came here, is that if you refrain from taking more than you need, then you will... Um, you, you will um, be in harmony. Because when you take too much, here's the rub, when you take too much, maybe there's someone who gets too little. There's, there's not, you know, infinite wealth. There's quite a lot of wealth. But, but especially the way our society is set up, often that the wealth of, of a few leads to the poverty of many. We see this in the world. The, um, the economic system in the world is very unjust. There are many countries struggling to exist. And the reason why they're struggling is people are extracting their raw materials and their labor and not returning a fair share to them. They're being exploited. It used to be in the colonial system. That was clearly a case. And that was the policy of the countries of the Middle Ages. And mercantilism is that we should bring all the gold from South America here. And Columbus would cut off the noses of the of the people and their ears if they didn't bring gold. The reason why? Because if he didn't bring the gold to the queen, maybe someday would cut off his head also. That was why he was so cruel. But, but that kind of philosophy is, is from the, um, you know, 500 years ago, and we shouldn't have that philosophy today where we go to take from others. So, so we should just take what we need. 
uh, and, and not deprive others. So it's a wonderful thing. We come in harmony, but not only harmony, that, that not taking, that we're restrained of, of not taking, will um, give you contentment. So this is the secrets of harmony with the society. There are some secrets harmony with this, of in your inner harmony. But now I want to speak about something which um, is another secret of, um, of overcoming sorrow. Because even Buddha, who was, Buddha was more focused on, on, on sorrow. He said life is, you know, is suffering. But he said one, one secret of overcoming sorrow. He said, you should restrain your senses. He said to the monks, because he, he, he created an order of monks, he said, oh monk, if you see something which is harmful to your eye, and take your eye away from it. Don't look at that thing. If you hear something which is going to bring you, degrade your mind, don't listen to that thing. If you taste something which is clearly bad, then don't taste it. If you smell something, there's no good. Don't. It's be maintain restraint on your mind, and you will overcome all sorrow. So this is a very important thing, because in our society, there's a philosophy. If it feels good, do it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Just do it. That's a slogan. Like Nike, you know, not do it. Yeah. But sometimes things which feel good now don't feel good tomorrow. You know, it has this, this pain, in, this, this pleasure in the beginning, pain in the end. So, so you have, what Buddha said, no, don't do that thing. He said, maintain restraint. Oh, just don't let your senses run wild. Don't let them run wild. Maintain careful restraint over, over your senses. The yogis have said that. The yogi Shiva said the same. Indriya Nigraha, he said, control of the organs. In the Vedas, they also said that. They said the human body is like a chariot. And what is this chariot? The chariot is a car and it's pulled by horses. The horses are the organs of the sense, the symbolic. And the, and the reins is the mind. And the driver is the discriminating intellect. The passenger is that soul that I know I exist, I was talking about before. And it, so the, the Vedic philosophers said, maintain control over these senses with your mind and, and guide yourself with your discriminating intellect, the intellect that knows what's right and what's wrong. And so the person who can do this, then he will get a smooth ride, and that ride will be happy. And that he will have time to commune with the passenger, the interesting passenger just beside, which is the soul. They will become happy. So these are, uh, from multiple sources, are the, the secrets uh, of joy. And anybody can practice. You don't have to be you know, a Vedic scholar or, or a Buddhist monk or, or, or a Tibetan yogi. You don't have to be. Just you have to know what's right, what's wrong, and then make some efforts to learn how to control your mind. You have to make some efforts because all of, all of the knowledge of, of happiness and of goodness is already in books. There's hundreds of books have been written, um, scriptures, self-help books, how-to books, but those books, I and mean, even what, I'm gonna, what I told you just now, it's not enough. I, what I told you was can maybe alert you to some things, but in order to carry that out, you have to have a strength of mind. And that strength of mind 
is what comes with my, the practice of meditation. This was something which I've been doing for the last 42 years or so, something like that. And that practice, what it does is it, it gives you strength of mind so that you can keep your mind on one task, one task, one thing that you have to do, your goal. And it de- helps you to detach from the outside world and start to go within and start to experience that inner wealth. So once you experience that inner wealth, you'll never want to live a shallow existence in the world, chasing after things which seem to elude you, like the rainbow. You know, if you try to find the end of the rainbow, you can never find it. And, and that material wealth is like that too. It's the contentment that you want from, from that pot of gold you will always elude you because there'll be a bigger pot ten foot away. It's just, it's just right here, I can get it. And you, but you have to work after hours to do that. So, so once you learn some practice which will let you go within and let you f- focus on some of that inner wealth, and if that practice will also give you strength of mind to pursue, um, to refrain from taking too much and from and with that inner practice will help you to treat others, which will put yourself in harmony with them. And you do all of these things, definitely, I promise, that your life will be filled with joy. So that's all I really would have to say, even if there were a million people here and not a million people listening. But even if there were one million people, I wouldn't change my, my talk. I would tell you, follow these things life will become joyous. It's a sure guarantee. My guru said that, but I also said it. it's a sure guarantee. Definitely. You can't go wrong with it. Nobody ever did all these things and then came up and said, oh, it doesn't work. It works. Do the right thing and you will get the right result.